So um, this morning, we're going to talk about apostasy, right? Um, that's a heavy word. Do you guys know what the meaning of apostasy is? No, I didn't know. Like, apostasy basically is, is um, stepping away from the faith that you once professed to believe in. That's what apostasy is, right? You once made a profession of faith, and now you no longer walk in accordance to the faith that you professed. Apostasy. Another word for apostasy in our culture these days is deconstruction. Deconstruction is an in word these days because there are a lot of Christians who are deconstructing from their faith. Christians were raised in Christian culture and churches. Now, as they're adults, they decide to walk away from their faith. And this isn't deconstructing from the faith is not a recent event. Clearly, Paul writes this about Paul writes exactly about apostasy 2,000 years ago. So we're going to talk about what apostasy really is and why people go apostate and what it is that we need to do to combat the temptation to go apostate ourselves. Okay? So let's go. For the, the, uh, verse, let's, but the very first thing that we need to understand about apostasy is that we need to understand human beings... I think since the Enlightenment, we think we're the people of reason. We think we reason our way through, the, through, through life. That's not true. People don't reason their way through life. People simply follow the voices in which they think it's true. People, are, people don't live life in accordance to what they study and they observe and they make a determination of what is true and follow. People don't do that. We want to think that people do that, but people don't do that. People usually live in accordance to the voices in their heads that tells them what truth is. People are foundationally emotional beings. And you follow the voices in your head that makes the most emotional appeal to you. That's what human beings are. You need to understand this. And this is relevant because whether you stay in the faith or whether you leave the faith, it really boils down to whose voice you are listening to on a daily basis. Verse 1, Paul says to Timothy, Now the Spirit, the Spirit means the Holy Spirit, expressly says. Let's stop there. Verse 1, in this part of verse, Paul is telling Timothy, the Holy Spirit is a spirit that speaks, that expresses himself. Holy Spirit is not an impersonal idea or abstraction or ideology. Holy Spirit is a person that speaks. And you need to understand, truly, the Christian life is really about listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and living according to the voice that you, that you hear. Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, God himself speaks to you. The great benefit of being a Christian is that you get to hear God's voice in your life. It doesn't mean that you hear God's audio voice in your head, like you hear voice, literal voice from God in your head. But no, God speaks to your mind. God speaks to your conscience. 
God makes an impression upon you on a daily basis. He really does. I can't stand here and do what I do. And in my opinion, I cannot live the life that I live unless I constantly hear the voice of God speaking to me. If I don't hear the voice of God on a regular basis, I, don't, I think I'll go crazy. I don't think I can live. And I'm a living example. And this isn't for oratory practice. I'm here to say, in my daily life, I do hear the voice of God. And, his, and that voice is the one that clarifies all things for me. It is my personal testimony. And the testimony of every saint that went before me. And every saint that is right now, we live because the Holy Spirit speaks to us. Jesus Christ himself, when he was doing ministry in this world, he constantly prayed. He prayed like no other. Why? Because Jesus Christ himself needed the voice of the Holy Spirit to guide him while he's doing ministry here. Jesus wasn't a lone soldier. He devoted himself every morning to prayer in communion with the Father through the Holy Spirit because he needed to listen to the truth of God. He is the model of our faith. We need to listen to him. He does speak. How does the Holy Spirit speak? Westminster Confession of Faith. According to Westminster Confession of Faith, there are four ways. Uh, Four ways? Is that what it is? Yeah, the four primary ways that the Holy Spirit speaks. The way he speaks to you, number one, It is through the preaching of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit speaks to your conscience, speaks to your mind, primarily through His Word. And that is absolutely true. I am where I am. I think the way that I think because by God's grace, I listen to so many sermons in my life. I have been shaped by the sermons that I listen to. I have been shaped by Tim Keller. I have been shaped by Paul Washer. I have been shaped by John MacArthur. I have been shaped by Andrew Davis. I have been shaped by, um, um, what's his name? I forget. Spurgeon. I have been shaped by so many men. Right now, I'm in an R.C. Sproul kick. Because we're reading Luke together, R.C. Sproul has a sermon series on Luke. I listen to Luke almost on a daily basis. I am shaped by the sermons that I listen to. Westminster Confession of Faith, based on Scripture, is absolutely true. God speaks to his people through his word. Look, oftentimes when I meet people, by the way, I love meeting with you. I really do. It's one of the favorite things. One of the ways that I relax is, what is my hobby? I get to meet with my members. And when I meet with my members, oftentimes, you guys quote me back to what I preached. You always say, people always say, PJ, I remember when you said this. PJ, I remember when you say that. They quote back the sermons that I preached. It's amazing for me that you guys remember what I said. Because sometimes I have a hard time remembering what I said. And the reason that I'm telling you I think the reason why these words that I preached made an impression is not because I'm a, I'm a skilled orator. It's not, it's not. It has nothing to do with my talent. It really doesn't. It is the Holy Spirit somehow using these words that I preach and making an imprint in you. 
And these imprints are, are in ways in which the, the Holy God speaks to you. It's absolutely right. God speaks to you through the preaching and teaching of his word. Second, God speaks to you, according to Westminster Confession of Faith, God preaches to you through the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism is an outer sign of the inner reality that you are in Christ. Baptism is the outer sign that says you were once dark in darkness, but Christ saved you. That act, the sacrament of baptism, when you go through it, is a physical confirmation of who you are in Christ, and that thing is powerful. Another sacrament that God uses, God uses to speak to us is God uses the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper, that we do it on a monthly basis. When you actually take it seriously, when you actually think through the meaning and the implications of the Lord's Supper, the Lord speaks to you. There's a difference between just like auto, 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 autopiloting the Lord, like Lord's Supper, but if you actually think about it and meditate upon the meaning of it, oh, God speaks to you. God speaks his grace to you. Third way the Lord speaks to you is through prayer. Private prayer, public prayer, prayer in the church, prayer in your room, prayer in your car. God really does speak to you when you pray. He really does this. I think a couple of weeks, couple of weeks ago we had the Friday night prayer service where we, pre, where we prayed based on, we prayed based on the scriptures. We didn't hold hands and sing kumbaya. We didn't, we didn't, like, we didn't even pray for one another, really. We prayed based on the scriptures. And that made a huge impact on people that evening. God speaks to you when you're privately praying. This week, man, like, I was like, I was praying while I'm driving these days. I don't know why I did this this week, but on my way to small group on Friday night, I was praying. Oh, that was a sweet time of prayer. From my house to, where, where does Daniel live? Alexandria, is it? To my house to Alexandria, that 35-minute driving was a sweet, sweet time. Yesterday afternoon, I, I went to visit a brother, and that 40-minute drive to my brother's that place was a sweet, sweet time. Because the Lord speaks to me through prayer. The way that I pray, right? The way that I pray is this. I, I read and I listen to a sermon and I tell God who he is based on the sermon and these sermons reveal things about me and about God is as if I'm communicating with him. It's a magnificent reality. Look, I was doing it the other day. At work, at Wednesday, I go, I go into DC on Mondays and Wednesdays and sometimes I listen to, I was into Archie Sproul's sermon and meditating upon it as I was walking down Vermont Avenue. And there was a homeless gentleman about, right in front of the Wawa's, right, who was, who was like saying something. I didn't think he was talking to me because I was listening to the sermon. And there's a police officer that stopped me and says, yeah, hey, that guy's talking to you. And I said, what officer? That guy's talking to you. About what? He says, he liked my shoes, these shoes. And the guy says, where did you get those shoes? And I go, I don't remember. Is it Kohan? I go, yeah. But what I realized 
about that moment was, as I was listening to the sermon, maybe the reason I didn't notice him saying was because I was trying to ignore him. That incident, as I was praying, revealed so much about me and how I think about people. God just like kind of smacked me and go, oh, yeah. See how that works? That's how you're supposed to live the Christian life. It's a dynamic, organic relationship. As you pray, as you meditate, as you walk with God, he does speak to your mind and your conscience. And the fourth way that God communicates to you, according to the Westminster Confession of Faith, is God speaks to you through the fellowship of believers. He speaks to you through the fellowship of believers. Oh, Friday night small group. It was a grandiose time. It was a wonderful time. I went to Arlington with these young people, right, with their good fancy foods and fancy desserts, right? I sit there, and we talked about, we discussed last week's sermon, and it was a grand old time. But you can speak people getting it, understanding God. One of the brothers that I, the one doesn't talk, shared a lot, and they go, whoa, God is speaking to that brother. Yesterday, I'm going to tell you what I did yesterday. I had lunch with a brother. And yesterday, the whole experience, the lunch that I had with that brother, it was one of the most miraculous things that I've ever experienced. I don't know how my brother, brother felt, but for me, it was a miraculous experience. I could feel the presence of God speaking to us in that, in that meeting that we had yesterday. Guys, God speaks. And you need to listen. But the problem with us not listening, Timothy Paul warns, if you don't listen to the living God, you will listen to deceptive spirits. Paul says there are forces in life. There are forces in the unbeliever, uh, 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 you know, invisible spiritual realm. That speaks to you. Just as God speaks to his people, there are forces in the unseen, invisible realm that speaks to people too. And if you don't listen to the voice of God, you will listen to those deceptive spirits. And if you listen to those deceptive spirits long enough, you will eventually turn away from God. Paul says, the Holy Spirit expressly says, what, did he, what does he expressly say in verse 1? That in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Verse 1, Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit in his word clearly said, at the last time, some people who profess to be Christians will turn away from their faith. It's not an if. God himself says, in the last days, people who once professed faith in Christ will turn away from him. And it's clear, there's so many verses in the Bible that confirms this. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus himself says, many false Christs, many false prophets would come they would deceive many, and many will leave the faith. Those were those are words of Jesus. 
In the last day, many false prophets will come. Many people will be deceived by them. And many people will abandon the faith. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 and 22. If, some peop- if they, some people, have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but are again entangled in sin and are overcome by sin, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Peter is saying, one day there will be, there, there will be a day when people who accepted Christ with much joy will once again be entangled by sin and they will leave Christ for their sins. And Peter's saying, for that type of people who go apostate, it is better for them to have never been saved at all than to go back to sin. That's what Peter is saying. 1 John chapter 2, the Antichrist will come. As a result, the Antichrist will come to the church. People will be convinced by the teachings of the Antichrist, and they will leave the faith. It is an absolute certain reality that people will leave the faith that they once professed at the latter time. What does Paul mean by latter time? He means the time from the moment that Jesus came into the world 2,000 years ago until his, coming, until his return, that's the last time. Those are the last age. From the moment that he arrived 2,000 years ago until, until the moment that he comes back, that's the last age. In the, in the interim period, some people will leave the faith. This week, I was listening to a podcast I'm so happy because I'm a podcast listener. And this podcast interviewed this guy named Paul Maxwell. I really like Paul Maxwell. He's a young man of 33 years old. Paul Maxwell, I was a fan because arguably, he's the most intense, intelligent, articulate Christian I've ever met. 22, he has a PhD in theology. He wrote paper after paper after paper about Christian theology, Christian counseling. He went to one of the best seminaries in America, Westminster Seminary, my alma mater, Peace. The Harvard of seminaries, if you will, right? He has a PhD. The way he speaks, sometimes I listen to his YouTube channel, and it just blows my mind. The way he speaks blew my mind. Such an intelligent, articulate young man. Two years ago, in his, on his Instagram page, in a park somewhere, he said, I'm no longer Christian, and I feel great. Peace out. This week, I listened to a podcast his interview of why he left. I will tell you why he left later on. But such an intellectual giant of a young man left the faith. Some people, 
don't leave the faith so publicly. Other people quietly quit Christianity. Especially after COVID. Most people, they don't leave the faith publicly. They quiet quit Christianity. Jesus, in the parable of the four soils, says, some people will listen to the word of God and they will receive it with much joy. They will walk in the faith. They weren't the Sunday Christians. They actually walked in the faith for a season. But because of trials, the love of money, the pleasures of the world, and the distraction of life. The word that they hear does not bear fruit, and they leave. People abandon Christianity, especially those who once profess, especially those who walk with Christ for a season, they leave because other things are more important. Whether you leave publicly or whether you leave privately, Holy Spirit says it is inevitable that some will leave. Why do they leave? Paul says they leave because they devote themselves. The word devote here means is to pay attention. Because they devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Like my main point from the beginning. Just as the Holy Spirit speaks to his people, there are invisible, deceitful spirits that tells you lies in order to, to derail your faith in order to derail you from, from following Christ. And that is, and you can see it in Genesis. How did humanity fall? Through the serpent, Satan comes and he deceives Eve. Did God really say this? He's twisting God's word he deceived Eve what truth was, and she followed. Same temptation came to Jesus. Remember, when he, when he was about to begin his ministry, he was in the desert for 40 days. Just as Adam and Eve was tempted by the serpent, tempted by the devil, the devil comes to tempt Jesus. Once again, the devil tempts Jesus by not, by not cursing God, but slowly twisting God's word. Hey, Jesus, I know you're hungry. I know you're here to do a mission. But you're hungry, dude. Look at those stones. They look like breads. Use your power to turn that stone into bread. What's, what's, the what, what's Satan getting at? He's saying, yeah, your mission is important, Jesus, but so is your physical need. Let your physical need, Jesus, take priority over your spiritual mission. 
Isn't that the deceptive spirit that's come to, come to all of us? Yeah, walking with God is important, but more important is the immediate physical realities that you go through. Pay attention to that. I'm not saying all of us should sell our possessions go to, and go to, go to the monastery. I think the Catholic Church had a misunderstanding about this. I'm not saying you should abandon your calling and profession or whatever. But the point is attention. Only seek attention, only focus on what you can see, feel, and touch. Jesus, you don't have to go to the cross, bow down to me, and I will give you the kingdom of the world. Why go through? Why go through the hard one? There's an easier way, Jesus, than to, for you to get the world. You don't need to go to the cross. Just bow down to me, and I will give it to you free. Don't go to the cross. Do not take up your cross, Jesus. There's an easier way to live your life. It's an easier way to live your life, man. It's nice outside. What are you doing here? Go play golf, for crying out loud. Your kids need vitamin D. Go take your kids to a park somewhere. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Mow your lawn, man. Hey, you worked hard. You should have one day where you should chill out. Right? It's good for you. Life is a marathon. Life is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Chillax. Right? Deceptive spirits. I make a really good devil. Deceptive spirits. Visited Adam. Visited Eve. Visited Jesus. You don't think he'll visit you? You don't think? You're Superman? There's no kryptonite? Your faith is indestructible, uncompromisable? Is it? If it is, I think you're delusional, so let me come talk, let, let's, let's talk. It's weak. It's frail. It's fickle. And the deceptive spirit will come your way. So these people who go apostate will listen to the deceptive spirits and the doctrine of demons. This is really interesting. Just like Christianity has doctrine, set of beliefs that we believe in, the devil has set of doctrines too. So rather than listening to the doctrines of God, we listen to the doctrines of the devil. And we're deceived. How is, are these deceptive spirits and doctrines of devil communicated? How are they communicated? Paul says they're communicated by insincere liars whose, whose consciousness are seared. He's talking about false teachers. The devil doesn't visit you at night. I'm the devil. Like, these are my commandments. You obey me. Does the devil do that? If it is, come talk to me. I think you're delusional, right? Can you see the invisible spirits that deceive you? No, you can't. They have a medium of communication, 
and the medium of communication of deceitful spirits and doctrine of Satan are false teachers. He says, these teachers, these liars, right, have consciousness that are seared, which means the way you recognize false teachers are not only by what they teach, but look at how they live. False teachers, I guarantee, as, as the old Louisiana people say, I guarantee those false teachers have some form of weird, immoral lifestyle. Because oftentimes false teaching is based because they want to live immorally and they twist their theology to justify their morality. These liars, these false teachers who do immoral acts are the mediums in which he communicates. Deceitful spirits communicates with you. Back to Paul Maxwell. Why did Paul Maxwell leave the faith? You know why he left? He st- one of the re- there are many reasons, but there are two main reasons. The first main reason why he left is, in t- is I think, in 2010, he started reading the work of Jacques Derrida. Do you know who Jacques Derrida is? You should, because his philosophy is influencing everything that you listen to and everything that you watch. This is what Derrida says. Derrida says, words are tied to things, right? Words are tied to things. If I say Sean's wearing an orange, is that a red shirt? Sean's wearing an orange, red, I don't know, I'm colorblind, right? Whatever, Sean's a bright color shirt that, you know, helicopters, if you can recognize from above, right? Right? So, <laughs> so, so Sean is wearing that shirt. I'm assuming that that shirt is what it really is. But Derrida is saying, no. You may think Sean is wearing that shirt, but that shirt, is it, the meaning of that shirt is, is in flux. If you wash it, the color will change. Right? If you spill something, it will contaminate the shirt. He he says words don't have really meaning to anything because because what they're tied to is always in flux. So there's no meaning to anything, he says. It sounds silly, but let me ask you, what's a woman? What's a man? There is no such thing as women and men, right? There isn't. Right? There isn't. Clip this and send it to my HR. I'll be promoted. You can't really know anything for sure, right? This nonsense is infiltrating everything that your kids listen to and watch and everything that you watch and listen to and infiltrated the mind of Paul Maxwell. That started to shake his faith. That plus other incidents, I think that was, he said that was a germination. That was the start of his deconstruction. It's the lies that he listened to. So, like, and he says, I, I listened, I, I, I became an unbeliever, and I started to listen to this guy. So I started to listen to that guy that Paul Maxwell says he, he now listens to. The guy that Paul Maxwell now listens to is a buff- Never mind. 
It's an unwise man. I can puncture holes in that dude's argument. But Paul Maxwell thinks that dude's work is salvation. You see what it means? He just simply chose to listen to another voice. God speaks to you. He really does speak to you. But if you don't listen to his voice, you will listen to some other voice. And that will derail your faith. The inscrutable, immoral liars that Paul's talking about here, false teachers, the false teachers that Paul's talking about here, is specifically addressed to the false teachers in the church of Ephesus. What were these teachers teaching? Verse 3, they forbid marriage and require abstinence from food. This is what they were teaching. In order for you to be in with God, you can't get married. You have to be celibate. They're not only condemning marriage, but really they're condemning sex. There's no young people here, right? We're all over 18. He says, if you want to be in good with God, stop having sex. Any type of sex. Including marital sex. Don't have it. Don't, don't do it. Also, don't eat certain foods that are dirty. Bye-bye, Koyangjip. Koyangjip has everything these false teachers have against. Pig intestines and livers? And... Casings? What are you? It's God. Ex- you belong to the holy God. You eat animals that eat his own filth? Can God, certainly, can God be okay with that? Sex is ew. Port is ew. God is holy. You can't do ew things and be acceptable by God. That's called asceticism. Live a real self-denying life, and God will accept you. That's what these guys are teaching. Look, we're called to live a life of self-denial. All of us are called to live a life of self-denial. We are. We are called to carry our crosses to follow Christ. Christianity 101. Jesus says, if you don't carry your cross, deny yourself and follow me, you ain't my disciple. You, ain't no, you don't know me, homie. Oh, that rhymes. You don't know me, homie, if you don't deny yourself and carry your cross and follow me. So, carrying your cross and following Jesus Christ is Christianity 101. But the reason you follow Christ, the reason why you deny yourself and follow Christ, is because you know Christ is better than anything that you're denying. You're not denying yourself because by denying yourself, God is proud of you. You deny yourself and follow Christ because God is so much better. Look, I'll give you an example. I talked to one of the brothers. And I, he's, he's talked to me about how hard his job is. He gives me all the difficulty aspect of his job. Right? And I was listening to him. And I go, why are you doing this job, man? It's crazy. This is the spirit. There's an easier way to live, you know. There's an easier way to live, right? And this is what he said. Because God called me to do this. 
I deal with all this stress and pressures and nonsense. Because God has called me to do this. And following God in that calling is worth dealing with all these difficult trials. That's what he said. You deny yourself and follow Christ because that is the right thing to do. That is the honorable thing to do. That is God-exalting thing to do. These homies, though, these false teachers, are not saying you should self-deny because Christ is better. He's saying you have to deny yourself because that's the only way that God's going to accept you. That's what he's saying. That's what they're saying. Look, I'll give you an example. One of the main reasons why I went to seminary is like I met this strange pastor guy when I was in college. I remember one of the meetings that he led, right? It wouldn't start. He wouldn't come up and preach. Like, Elvis didn't refuse to come to the show. He didn't, he just, he said he wouldn't come up. And we go, why are you not coming up? And he says, I don't think God thinks you guys are ready to worship him. I go, what? You need to be ready for God to show up so that God can minister to you. I go, what? He's saying you need to be acceptable before God in order for him to come to speak to you. After listening to that nonsense, I said, I'm going to seminary, yo. What's the problem with thinking that way? Remember last week we talked about the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ? His manifestation of the flesh, his vindication of the spirit, the angels witnessing to his saving work. It's such a marvelous truth. But if you're saying, the only way God's going to love you if you not have sex, you're taking that glorious work of Christ and you're flushing it down the toilet, right? He's done this great thing for you. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. What matters is you're not having sex and not eating pork. Eating pork makes you more acceptable to Christ than believing in his work? What are you smoking, man? You know? That's why Paul is so harsh on these false teachers. Because they're taking the glorious work of Jesus Christ and substituting it for something that is so small and insignificant compared to it. Not going to Koyangjip is more acceptable to God than you believing in Christ. Koyangjip, you know? But people choose to listen to this nonsense rather than the voice of God. And that's the problem. How do you fight it? Paul gives us, the way you fight it is, you got to fight, fight lies with truth. If the deceptive spirit is lying to you, then you need to fight those lies with truth. Verse 4, for everything God created, for everything Paul talks about in verse 4, is including, is including sex and food. 
for everything, including sex and food, God created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Verse 5, for if it is made holy by the word of God and prayer, uh, for, if, for, if it is made, for if it is made holy by word of God and prayer. What does Paul mean? This is what Paul means. He takes an example of sex and food. Let's take these two issues that these false teachers are telling you not to do. If you look at it through the word of God and prayer, Paul is saying, you will see the meaning and the significance of food and sex. And when you truly see the meaning of food and sex, you will receive them with thanksgiving and joy. The false teachers are telling you, are giving you a false view of what these things are. The false teachers are saying, these things are preventing you from going with God. But no, 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 Paul says, look at these two issues through the lens of God in prayer. When you actually look at these things through the lens of the word of God in prayer, you will see the beauty and the goodness of these things. Let's talk about food. I love going to fancy restaurants because, you know, number one, my wife is, likes them and I'm a good husband. But second reason, when you go to these restaurants, there is this celebration of tastes and textures that you don't normally experience. And when I eat those things and when I consider these things through the lens of God and prayer, I can see the glory of this food that I'm eating. Food is not just God's way of sustaining you, but food is the way that God shows you his great beauty and artistry. They really are. Including your wife's cooking, right? Or your husband's cooking, whatever, whoever cooks in your family. My air fryer does my cooking. So whatever thing that my air fryer cooks out, don't tell my wife that, okay? Right? Whatever thing that my, my, like the air fryer takes out, right? Like really, take the steak out of the air fryer and you cut it, it's really moist. And when you actually consider it through the lens of God, it's incredibly holy and special, this piece of meat that my air fryer cooked. What's that, unbeliever, Right? It really is. Looking at food through the lens of prayer and the word gives you an insight to the significance of these things, and you praise God for it, including sex. We're all over 18. Sex, the act of sex is the physical demonstration, expression of a man and a woman, husband and wife, Mutually being committed and loving and celebrating each other. That's what sex is. It really is. Sex is just this thing where it's an expression of this unconditional commitment that the husband and wife has to one another. And when you do it correctly, it's an act of worship. It really is. Sorry, unmarried people. You don't know what I'm talking about. You better not, want, you better not know what I'm talking about, right? It really is, though. It's almost over. That's why premarital sex, having sex with someone else other than your spouse, 
it's not really a celebratory holy thing. It's like people using each other, which, which is degrading. It really is. But when two, when a man and a woman in a committed marital relationship between, before God have sex, it is so amazing. You thank God for it. Paul is saying the way you fight lies is by looking at things clearly. The word of God and prayer has the power to make you see things, make you, make you able to see the value of things clearly. Last point. Example is, have you guys seen the movie Inception? Please say yes. I don't want to explain the plot of Inception. So Inception basically is, it's, it's a division between Leonardo DiCaprio's job is to infiltrate people's dreams, and the dream that he goes into is so real, DiCaprio can't tell what's real and what's not, even if he, even if he gets out of the person's dream, right? That's a good summation. So DiCaprio, because he infiltrates people's dreams, has a real hard time telling what is real and what is false. And the only way that he knows what he's experiencing now is true, is he spins a top. If the top falls by gravity, he knows he's in reality. If the top is continuously spinning without falling, he knows he's not, he's, he, he's, he's in figment of someone's imagination. Likewise, the Bible and prayer is the spinning top. That's such a good example. I'm proud of myself for doing that. It's, a, it's an example of a spinning top. Through the Bible and prayer, you know what reality is. You know what truth is. You know what beauty is. But if you close this and let not God talk to you, then you'll be continuously inundated with lies and half-truths. So in order to preserve your faith, my dear people, Get into the word and prayer. Listen to the Holy Spirit so that he will tell you what is true. When you see things that are true, God, you can work hours and hours and hours and you will not get tired. The reason I can do what I do, number one, because sleep is for the weak. Number two, right? By God's grace, I see the meaning behind everything that I do. I see the meaning of my work as a lawyer. I see the meaning of my work as a husband and a father. I see the meaning of a pastor. I see the meaning to all things. And those meanings, guys, drives me with such appreciation for God and his work. You guys can have that too. Listen to him. Let's pray.